0: the page turner episode 20 terror
1: on the titanic give me a v give me an o give me a y give me an a we'll be here for ages uh hello welcome to voyage of the page turner the choose your own page turning podcast with me Cornwall's answer to Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Colin the Pasty Lego. And thank you for joining me for this, the season finale of Voyage of the Page-Turner. Here we are, episode 20. It's been an amazing journey, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and we have a very funny final episode for you today, by the way. But before we get into that, I want to do a few thank yous, because it is the end of the series. So this whole podcast couldn't have happened for several reasons, one of which is... I'd like to say a big thank you to Ant McGinley Uh, Ant McGinley is a podcaster a broadcaster and a man of many many wise words to do with podcasting and he's also a good friend but he was the person who enabled me to put this up online and get it out there so thank you to Ant if you do want to find out more about what Ant does he does loads of great podcasts including Wrestling With The Champ Uh, you can find him on Twitter which is at Ant McGinley so do check him out because he is a very lovely man with a very lovely beard Also, thank you to the voice of the Voyager, uh, Samuel Borath. Thomas, if you remember, Borath is the guy that does all the intros and talks about the stories. He's got a lovely resonating voice, and we went to meet him in a bonus episode when I went to his house on the Isle of Wight, and we met the man behind the voice. If you haven't listened to that episode, I think you should. Um, It's a bonus episode in the series, and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that going to the Isle of Wight in a moment. And obviously, this podcast couldn't have happened without you. You lot out there listening, and sharing and giving it a thumbs up or whatever you do on your social medias thank you so much for supporting this little project which has turned out to be quite a fun adventure and we will be back in some form or other after we've had a break we'll come back with another series of books or we'll carry on this particular series and we'll have a little bit more fun in a few months so do keep an eye on our social medias for that at page turner show on twitter and instagram and you can also email if you've enjoyed it VoyagerThePageTurner at gmail.com So, today's episode. The book has been chosen by you, the Twitter followers of at Page Turner Show, And you have chosen for the final book Terror on the Titanic. Very grand story. We all know the outcome, but what's going to happen to my guest? And I have a special guest today. I'm not going to give them any introduction because they can do that themselves in more ways than one. So let's get into this. Episode 20, the season finale of Voyage of the Page-Turner.
0: Who is Borath? More than a man and occasionally a vapor, the being we know as the Voice of the Pages has guided the spiritual well-being of the nation by the medium of podcasts, all series. Not to be confused with the money-grabbing, identity-stealing, filthy hack voice artist Sam Thomas, Unlike Thomas, Borath has a degree in butchery, a masters in throat singing, and a PhD in staring into your soul. There is literally nothing that can scare or discombobulate Borath, except for that YouTube video of a laughing Elmo burning in slow motion. So come on, bring it. Bring it.
1: Bring the terror. On the Titanic. So there you go. My special guest today is Borath.
0: Welcome. Welcome. It's a pleasure. It's
1: always a pleasure, obviously. Mm. It almost feels like I saw you earlier today. But that's because uh, you did. We should probably explain what's happened here. We've had an episode together. I came to your house back in February... And f- for reasons that I don't really understand, I'm still here. Yes. Well, I mean, I
0: I like to think that it's my cooking. I make an excellent pakora, and I am currently trying to make my
1: own Swiss cheese. N- the, the, what's really happened is... I wouldn't say I've been, I've been kept captive, because that would put a bad light on you, Boris, but you really have said that I can't leave until you do a book. That's quite right. It's not much to ask, I feel. I mean, I've got a lot to say. Well... Uh, I mean, for me, the the job as a voiceover artist—that was really your only job. I mean, you have got a wonderful voice, and we've enjoyed it. But there was no contract saying that you had to do a book. That's
0: true, not strictly speaking. But I felt we hit it off from the very first moment I was following you. I knew that you had a certain quality to you that I could I could enhance with my own mm. brand of love. Mm.
1: So yeah, so I—I I, I mean, I've been doing the last few episodes from here on the Isle of Wight in your house. Mm, um, it's a beautiful area. The immediate area outside of us is is dilapidated. There's
0: only there's only one way to put it. There's a lot of swampland, which you don't expect to find, but uh, I found it. But inside, you've got to admit, we have fabulous
1: towels. Well, y- y- you've looked after me. I must admit, my room has some walls. Not not mm. the full mm. complement of walls, but it, it is indoors yeah. at least. Almost all of them are taller than you. Mm. Yeah, and and a very strange um, set of paintings on the inner walls of my bedroom upstairs. Mm. Um, how how yeah. would you how could you could describe them for the for the listener? Well, there, there, there
0: are nine different interpretations of one concept, and that concept is Keith Jegwin and file.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's the period of him uh, doing um, sort of children's television onto the Mm. later stages Mm. when he did that naked jungle
0: thing. I mean, I've seen some things in my life. I'm an old man, but I've never seen anything quite so utterly horrifying as the man's tiny... Tiny little, it was like a chipolata, but like somebody had, had made a woeful error while calculating how large a chipolata should be, and then
1: somebody had thrown that chipolata repeatedly at a wall. Mm. Uh, I mean, we went out foraging the other day, which is wh- how you get mm. most of your food. We went out foraging and found some yeah. hazelnuts, and that Absolutely. did remind me of one of the drawings of Chegwin the little hazelnut. Yes, hazelnut. Yes,
0: I think mm. so. It was. It was. I mean,
1: many ways. I think they
0: probably had roughly the same scale. And dimension, mm. and certainly they were both bad on a, on a primal level. I've never trusted hazelnuts and I've never trusted Keith Chegwin's junk
1: <laughs> none of us none of us have and luckily none of us have experienced it. Well listen, look, today is the day that we finish off the series. I could hopefully leave uh, your lovely house here we'll see yeah um, well uh, so you've got to do your part and we've got to kind of talk like I do to my guests about your childhood and what you got mm-hmm. up to so um, we know a bit about you but oh, I hate to ask this question what was your childhood like Borath well I mean it, it, was, it was quite eventful uh, when I was born, obviously
0: I was I was born in Uruguay, uh, which is a very uh, cold and be- really quite emotionally cold country. A lot of people think that because you're on one side of the River Plate, you're near to those tango dancers, that you know very emotional people. But not my house. My house consisted of people who didn't enjoy talking and said that you shouldn't talk more than three hours a day. Mm. So that was my childhood. In no uncertain terms, a child soldier. Uh, I was I was uh, running around with. The sort of weaponry that you'd normally give to a private army. Wow. But I learned a lot. Um, hmm. not, not much was of any use, because um, they wouldn't give us any ammunition. But um, hmm. the look was
1: strong. So, so when I talk to my guests about their adventures, you really had hmm. adventures in Uruguay as a small child. Oh, trial. yes,
0: yes. I mean, it, it, it affected me for life, because I never realised that it was, it was fundamentally rude. To carry an unloaded gun, even if it was unloaded, uh, around—that was a mistake I was making right up until my early twenties. Uh, yeah. And obviously, when I when I moved um, to to work well, to Africa initially, uh, it was it was a very difficult process getting on a flight with
1: seven firearms. I would I would imagine so. Mm. Again, that mm. makes sense. I'm learning so much about you. Like, there is a room in your house here that I'm not allowed in. Um, but when you, when I've heard you go in there, there's a lot of uh, clanking. And I hear things mm. being, like, loaded shotguns and stuff. Yes, yes. I'm prepared. It's much the same as David Icke's house. What are you prepared for? What, what what have we got to worry about? Well,
0: I have an ongoing theory. It is a theory. I'll not say that it's it's in any way validated. Mm. That... The cows are watching us. Uh,
1: right, okay. We- and hmm.
0: I don't think they're as stupid or as serene as they make out, by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No. Well, you, you, it's, it hmm. is quite... There's a, quite a few fields full of cows. They're just...
0: Look... I mean, what are they doing right now? Where are they looking? Are they looking away or are they looking towards
1: us? Well, I, I it's hard to see out of the uh, the big uh, planks of wood you've put on the windows, but... Well,
0: yeah, the ones I can see are either looking at me or they're looking at a conveniently positioned mirror that I can't see.
1: Hmm. Oh, okay. Obviously, these books, these uh, m- uh, multiple choice adventure books, are very American and English. Do you ever have you ever read any of this series that you've narrated? Uh, a couple,
0: a couple, but I mean, I, I'm pretty certain that the man who
1: wrote them, I think he's a local. You know, I do think so. Well, th- this one, which we'll get into in a minute, which is Terror on the Titanic, uh, is written by Jim Wallace. Um, oh, I know Jim Wallace. Yes. Jim Wallace is a a local celebrity here in Ryde. Are you sure it's the same Jim Wallace, Boris? I don't think Mm. it's the same Jim Wallace. Boiler suit. Half a head of hair. I don't know. There's no picture of Jim Wallace in the book. It says uh, he lived in Norway for a year, um, and then he taught Mm -hmm. at a school uh, in Uganda for three years and worked in Tokyo teaching English and writing English-language textbooks. Is that the same one? Did it say
0: anything about him living off the land and Uh. screaming at lights?
1: Um, No, he moved to Vermont in the 1970s and kept an electric set um, of uh, motorcycles uh, and he edited books... Um is that the same Jim Undoubtedly little... the same guy. Do you think so? There's a
0: man who uh, who lives in a car park here in Ride who who does have a, a an antagonistic relationship with the lighting system, Ooh. and he does indeed. Um, he's a fascinating man, deeply deeply troubling uh, to to watch him do his thing because he he likes to run
1: at people outside Tesco. But I imagine it's the same man. Oh, gee. I now. We when I went to Tesco, you made me go down to get those uh, mm. bits and bobs the other week. There was a guy there and he was wearing a Santa outfit, which is weird because we're yeah. in April. Um and would, is that Jim Wallace? Yeah, the, the chap that was talking to a Scotch egg. Yeah, yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah he, Same guy. You can I mean, see the vision,
0: can't well, you? I don't I mean, know if he's I, clearly Are you sure he wrote of the Terror intelligence? I'm sure this was like an American writer. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, He wasn't exactly speaking any known language, was he? I mean, it could be an Esperanto. Oh, that's the only language I speak. He he
1: definitely was loud. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. okay, Well, well possibly. Um, oh, well. One last thing before we get onto the book, then I tried to ask um, w- uh, snacks. I always ask my guests about snacks they ate when they were a, a child. Uh, hmm. What was in your hmm. sweet cupboard? Borat. Well, we used to have
0: uh, American confectionery. We had Babe Ruth. We enjoyed those. We also uh, had uh, pickled pigskins. They were quite nice.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, listen, um, before we get into the book, um, you've had some big reactions to some of the other books that I've done um, with other guests, and you've been here watching me do them. Titles such as The Forecast from Stonehenge, a huge reaction from yourself. Why? Why Stonehenge? Absolutely
0: ridiculous. Stonehenge doesn't exist.
1: Um, I, well, I think I think it does. It, no, pull the other one. I've never seen it. It's on the Salisbury Plains. It's a big load of rocks. You drive past it on the way to Cornwall from London. Um, well, it, yeah, it sounds sounds like a rock slide. Well, no, it's it's like they're placed in a certain way, and the Druids rock used garden. To, well, not a rock garden. No, it's. It's more of a like a sacred thing, and druids. A quarry. Go, well, they maybe came from a quarry. Who knows? We don't know where those rocks came from. Um, but yeah, just sounds a bit rum to me. They're on the A three hundred and three. Well, I mean, if, if you believe in the A three hundred and three, then you believe in Stonehenge, presumably. Okay. Absolute tosh. Okay, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. I mean. Okay well listen Let's get on to the book um, And it's Terror on the Titanic This has actually been You know I showed you Twitter the other day This has Mm -hmm. actually been chosen by the Twitter followers Of uh, at Page Turner Show on Twitter They've chosen this book for the last book Um, That's very generous of them so you've, you've, so you've got to do them proud, Boris. You can't, you know, get as angry, maybe, as you have when I've been doing other books. I'll swallow my anger, swallow the
0: rage. Mm. I do that normally while walking down the street.
1: All right, well, listen, um, for people who are interested, this is by Jim Wallace, who, who we possibly is the crazy Lovely man. chap. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah,
0: mm. I last saw him in a bin.
1: Yeah, yeah, eating a scotch egg um, uh, It's got 19 different endings, Borath uh, So well. you've got 19 different ways to die or succeed uh, At the back of this book, if people are interested Because um, it, it, obviously the, ter- the Titanic was a real ship I mean, you say the
0: Titanic was a real ship mm. I, I'm not sure, you know I, It's just, it's a bit like Stonehenge, isn't it?
1: Um, it's nothing like Stonehenge it's not, it's, it's but I mean, important. did all those people really hit an iceberg? Well, um, I, I think so. I think, I think in in 1912 they did hit an iceberg. I think so. Mm. Are you sure it wasn't just a submarine? Well, I I don't know if submarines were around back in 1912. Were mm. they? Mm. Well. I don't think anyone can be sure about that. Well, I mean, we sat down and watched the film Titanic in preparation for mm, this. Mm. Um, did, did you? That was based on real events, right? No, I
0: found I thought it was completely. I thought it was, it was about as real as Independence Day. Surely, same well, sort of thing.
1: Well, um, well it, I think it's some of it. I mean, based there's no on, way it would float for starters. No, well, it, it did float for a bit. It did sink, but it did float for a little bit.
0: With all those dancing people in the in the lower decks, I can't see it. I can't see it well, listen let's let's for the sake of argument say it exists. yeah, and let's let's I mean it's a good starting point and you know. Maybe maybe I can throw in a few
1: more embellishments. Well, why, why didn't you say any of this when we were watching the film? All you had a problem with when we watched the film Titanic was that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, when he was drawing Kate Winslet, used a 2B pencil when you thought he should be using an HB pencil.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, the lines would be pathetic, wouldn't they? But, I mean, no, I mean, I was... I, I'll be honest with you. I was very, very drunk. I... I remember watching with you I'm a very uh, I, I'm a very convincing drunk unfortunately and what had happened is that I had accidentally picked up some petrol and drunk that and uh, mm. I was I was extraordinarily drunk
1: mm. as as every night and, you have and, been really night, yeah I mean I, there's a base level mm-hmm. Alright, well, I I mean, I I, I was trying to get you in prep for this book by watching that film, but I didn't know you didn't think it was real. Anyway, let's do a higher lower, um, in terms of lengths. You know the game Higher Lower? Um, Oh, I know it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, the Titanic um, was uh, 882 feet. Uh, apparently. Mm, um, now we go on right. to the RMS Queen Mary 2. Uh, is it longer or shorter? What do you reckon, Borath? I'm going to say longer. I am going to say longer because I think if these
0: these ships are, are real as mm. they're allegedly real, then surely they eventually become the size of small islands. I, so mm. I would say I I think the name suggests mm. it's larger.
1: The Queen Mary uh, 2. Queen it, Mary, she, she sounds like a Big ship. Mm. Uh, Well, it is bigger. It's uh, 1,131 feet. Yes, very, very good. Excellent. Um, Excellent. If we go back now to the uh, HMS Victory, um, Mm. uh, which had its maiden voyage from Portsmouth, uh, is that uh, bigger or smaller than the Queen Mary II? Well, I knew a man who was on the HMS Victory. He was
0: a very, very, very uh, eccentric fellow. Mm. He looked like a 30-year-old, but he must surely have been, well, hundreds of years old. And uh, he told me that it was a very snug fit um, while he was trying to steal the contents of the postbox that we were chatting next to. So I think it's
1: smaller Yeah, it is smaller so parcel yeah parcel smaller parcel, it's, it's very small yeah 188 mm, mm. feet well what one last one then uh, of this really okay. pointless game uh, which might not even make it into the episode we'll see <laughs> well we shall see we'll see how I we mean, go you never know All right, fine. I might come up with something truly horrifying so, so the last one Boris um, the sea wise giant also known as the happy giant um, mm. would, you, would you say that that's bigger than the HMS victory what do you what do you think
0: well, I think this is the perfect opportunity to talk about the happy giant here in Ride. Oh. Because that's not so much uh, a ship as a man mm. with an extraordinarily large set of arms mm. and a stomach that's even bigger. And, dare I say it, genitals that are not. Mm. But he exists purely to run up and down Ride High Street, screaming wheelbarrow, 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 mm. and flailing his genitals about. Um, he is
1: an exceptionally large man. Very strong as well. I, I saw him mm. bump into that sort of... Uh, I think it was a Mini Cooper, and it sort of just flipped over. Oh, he's... I think he may have a supernatural strength, I think. There's
0: something about the motion... As he moves, he's like watching the buttocks, they they seem to reach the middle of his back as he's barreling down the high street and, and screaming, screaming, wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow. wheelbarrow. Yeah. Um, no, he's a lovely chap. He's probably an, an atypical kind of teacher because he is also the headmaster of our local school.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah that it's incredible class photos i remember you showed me mm. the class mm. photo or the, the school photo and it's almost like yeah. he looks a bit like gandalf for you yeah. know uh, hagrid surrounded by yes. all the other Much teachers more.
0: Yeah. Much more yeah, you really you really notice the amount of hair he's got on his on his body. Mm. Um just but I mean it's very good of him to put on trousers, but uh, you know, he could have gone further, I think, mm. being that he was a, in a position of authority, but he was just stood there like a giant beast. Just stood there. Like some kind of bear, like an angry bear. I mean I mean shirt shirtless, but he did have the dignity of having a bow tie. I
1: thought that
0: was a nice touch. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It was very nice. It was very nice. I mean It wasn't on his neck. No,
1: but... Worn like a garter, I believe. Mm. But anyway, you know, at least he tried. At least he tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lovely man. Mm. Lovely man. Okay, well, listen, let's get into the book. Uh, This is what people are here for. Um, Here we go. Episode 20, the final episode of this series of Voyage of the Page-Turner.
0: It is April the 10th, 1912, and you were headed from England back home to New York to continue studies as a classical pianist. You were traveling on the RMS Titanic under the supervision of your father's business associate, Andrew Temkin. However, your faith in this large ship's infallibility is quickly to be deterred, as the crew is much too distracted to notice the impending iceberg. else this voyage is going to end much more abruptly than you had planned in the icy northern waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Even Leonardo DiCaprio can't save you this time. Jack! Jack! Paint me like one of your French girls.
1: Borath, I think we'll start then by saying, have you ever been on a cruise ship of any sort? No, I mean, I I suppose I've, I've tried to get onto many...
0: But I have to settle for PO ferries mm. and occasional uh, trips on the hovercraft here. Uh, but it, it's, I mean, I, I did take my hovercraft pilot's license, so technically I'm able to drive a hovercraft. But uh, I used a false identity, so I can't ever really put it to good use. You, you, you I just, must just say, yeah. that was beautifully read. I, I mean, I'm not normally one mm. to, to blow my own trumpet, but that was magical. I hung on every. One of my own words. Uh, let's go back into this
1: story because it says you're a classical
0: pianist. Mm, um, I mm. I can relate to that. I I knew somebody who played the spoons once, and he was exceptional. But I did hear a story about a classical pianist that apparently mm. um, they all have
1: webbed fingers. D- um, I'm not sure that's necessarily everyone. um no. Maybe that just that one I mean, that works I'm, the one at the pub the local pub he he does yeah so, yeah um, I'm not sure I mean he I presume he's classically trained he, he was, well I mean I mean all he seemed to do was kind of uh, cover versions of bewitched songs so I don't know if that's real classic music is it I don't well I mean it belongs in a certain kind of classical classical
0: oeuvre I think you could maybe say that it belongs with the cause mm. certainly I mean. I, I'm a very good friend of Jim Cor, and uh, we, yeah, we get on, we really, he he speaks a lot of sense. We, he, he is also uh, a real proponent of, of some of the truths about, about cows. He understands that they're, you know, they're after me. He's written several songs. When he's come to RIDE, he's he RIDE's community centre, he, he stands there and he's got his own act. Yeah. It's called Jim Jim Cor and the Sweet Corn Four, I believe they're called, that's right. And uh, is it? Yes, that's right. And Jim Corrin and yeah. the Sweet Corn Four are yeah. a lovely band. Uh, it's him and seven old ladies. So I don't know why they're called Jim Corrin and the Sweet Corn Four. Yeah. Um, but it makes you think he challenges you that way. Mm. And Jim Corrin and the Sweet Corn Four, they repeatedly mm. sing about the real agenda with Cass.
1: I don't I don't know about classical pianists. I mean, you're...
0: Oh, yes, yeah. yes, that was classical pianists, of course. Yes, I mean, he's he's much like Cor, who himself is classically trained, but um, I do feel that if they don't have webbed fingers, they must surely break their fingers on a regular basis. Well,
1: Just maybe, yeah. I mean, the guy that was in the pub that we went to uh, when lockdown sort of eased and we managed to get a drink, mm. he almost mm. didn't have any fingers. That was remarkable no. how he played the piano. no. It was amazing. I mean, they looked—they looked—they were so fat. It was horrifying. Mm. I mean, they like, looked
0: like so somebody had bent tires back. Small, mm. small little tires, and he was banging, banging the piano
1: like mm.
0: that. And, uh, it it was—it was magical. It
1: was much akin to freeform jazz. Okay, well, let's get into the book. Um, here we are. Uh, are you ready to make some choices, Borath And ah, uh, uh, yes, yeah. I was born ready, and then I can hopefully leave. I mean, hopefully we can, um, yeah, okay. Um, Page one. You stand on the deck of the RMS Titanic, a brand new ship she is the biggest most luxurious ship in the world and she's on her voyage her first voyage across the ocean from Southampton England to New York City the ship has just pulled away from Southampton Qu- uh, quay a huge crowd walks along the quay following the great ship's progress down the narrow river channel the titanic glides by the new york a smaller ocean liner moored at the side of the river you watch as a smaller ship is moving towards the titanic you hear several loud shots, like gunshots. Looking down, you see the ropes holding the moored ship arc tight into the air. They must have snapped. The New York begins to swing away from the mooring directly towards the Titanic. We're already on page one, and there's some action I mean, happening. That's, yeah, that's an extraordinary
0: piece of, of, of uh, well, of shipmanship. Mm. I believe it's called shipmanship. And I shipmanship. Yeah, mm. I, I, to my mind. That is exceedingly poor shipmanship. Mm.
1: Well, uh, luckily, it's, I think it says, You gasp and grab the railing, expecting the shuddering impact. You watch the Titanic slowly drift to a stop, and the bow of the New York swings past her port side. The collision is narrowly avoided. So, well, that's a pity, yeah. isn't it? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it was, well, I mean even... how are they going to
0: learn anything?
1: Well, we Unless haven't e- there's a small collision, at least. We haven't even got out of Southampton Harbour yet. You don't want it to sink already, do you? Oh, it would have been better if it did, wouldn't it? Mm, OK. Well, that was a close one, says a tall, gaunt man standing next to you. He has a pale face and a thin, grim mouth. He speaks with a lilting Scottish accent. It's a bad way to begin a maiden voyage. A bad omen.
0: I mean, he sounds really profoundly unwell. Uh, it's I, I'm I'm upset for him. I don't know what's on with his mouth. I think he's got
1: some sort of wasting disease around his lips. Right, carry story. Pa, bad omen, says a middle-aged Englishman standing nearby. A watch chain hangs from his waistcoat, buttoned tightly around his stout middle. There's nothing to fear. The technical journals I've read says this ship is unsinkable. She's a wonder ship. Aye, sighs the tall man knowingly. She is indeed a wonder ship, a mighty ship, but the ocean is mightier still. Many a mighty ship. Have kissed the bottom of the sea, and with that, the man turns and walks slowly away. Very slowly, because he's clearly suffering a horrible way. I mean, just just
0: really in pain. With his, it's a high, it must be with this diseased mouth. It thin, must be
1: thin mouth,
0: thin mouth, not just thin. I think thin and ripped. I think horribly. Like it, it's, it must be like a, a sort of somebody's shredded
1: cellophane. Just, wow, just disgusting to watch. Wow. Sort of like, dragged himself away. Yeah. yeah, dragged
0: himself away, yeah, like a sort of, like an ooze. Like an ooze, I feel. Yeah. Just sort of like a hue, like a meaty ooze. Like sort
1: of, somebody's pulled a pork along a, along a griddle pan. Don't listen to him, says the Englishman. This ship is perfectly engineered. I tell you, she cannot sink. I mean, they're talking about it not sinking too much. Uh, we all mm. know what's going to happen. I mean, they're taking it incredibly
0: well, but then they've, they've just avoided being hit by a ship called the New York, which. Uh,
1: yeah, with. pretentious it, name. Okay. She is beautiful and enormous, you say, sc- uh, staring in admiration. Oh, so you're an American, says the Englishman. Oh, sorry, I should have done an American accent. He extends his hand. The name is Stites. Were you on holiday in England? Uh, no, you say, shaking your head. I've been in London for the past month studying classical piano. Oh! "'A classical pianist, eh?' says Mr. Stites. "'So you've been in England alone, then?' "'Ah, no, my father was here with me. "'He has an import-export business. "'He had to stay in London to meet a client. "'I'm returning to New York with his partner.' "'Oh, import-export business, you say? "'Would the name of your father's partner be Andrew Tempkin?' "'asked Mr. Stites. "'You nod.' Yes, I met the chap just before we boarded. He told me he bought himself a black Rolls-Royce. Yeah, it's on board. He's taking it back to New York, you say. Wow, this person's really interested in your life, isn't he?
0: I mean, yeah, I I think he's creeping me out a bit. He's the sort of guy that hangs round and just chats to you outside. Usually, while you're going to a gym or something, I imagine people do that, and somebody stood by the door just saying, "How are you? You know, how's your day?" and all those kind of sinister leading questions, when really what they're saying is, you know.
1: What's your neck size? Um, well, um, oh, you know, you should meet my daughter, Jessica, says Mr. Stites. She's just your age and very agreeable. I'm sure the two of you will get along famously. She had a go around with a violin for a time, but science is her wicket. That's where the future's headed, you know. She'll be good company for the voyage. Is the man related to Boris Johnson.
0: I just, I'm picking up a certain cadence. You know, the cadence of a a
1: man trapped in time. I can turn in more, Boris, if you want to. Yeah, I think that would make me trust him more. Okay, well, uh, he'll say those lines again, but a bit more like Boris, okay. Um, well, you know, um, you could meet my daughter, or not meet her, but if you do meet her, make sure you meet her indoors, outdoors, with a friend, six of you meeting at the same time, but if you do meet six people, make sure there's only two of them at the same time, indoors, but not with food, but with a drink. Um, she'll be good company, on your voyage there you go yep
0: yeah. yep that's 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 exactly what i yeah what i had in mind yeah yeah
1: mm. trustworthy yeah clear makes sense mm. sexual <laughs> mr S- Mr. Stites' mention of Andrew gets you thinking about him and the gold Buddha statues that he and your father imported from Siam. The box containing the statues arrived at the office in London whilst your father was out. Andrew was excited but seemed hesitant to open it in your presence. He asked you to run an errand. When you came back, your father had returned and he and Andrew were examining the two statues, each about a foot high. They seemed disappointed. The workmanship was poor. Worse, the statues weren't solid gold, but made of lead painted with gold leaf. Your father grew angry and vowed he'd never, ever, work with the Siamese trader ever again. Andrew supported your father and agreed the trader was a scoundrel. Something about his manner made you suspicious. In contrast to your father's genuine rage, Andrew's reaction seemed mild. You don't trust him, and you aren't happy to be sharing this voyage with him either. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest about Andrew. I don't know if it's my forehead talking, but he just seems like the kind of man who would wet himself in a bath on purpose. Uh, 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 that's a really odd description of someone. You know that kind of fiend. You know somebody who's like just—he's just got. It's a lovely bath as well, full of expensive salts, and he's gone, and he's. He soiled himself Done that That's Andrew for me Mm. How can you trust A man like that
1: Mm. Something about The name Andrew As well I don't know I bet he's known As Andy Andy Mm. And Andre And Anders And Andamondo
0: Andamondo What a bastard A dog A dog A dog Yeah A bomb I mean that's just Insensitive
1: Over the next few days, you and Jessica Stite explore the ship. It's like an immense, fancy, floating hotel. There's a Turkish bath, a swimming pool, a squash court, a gymnasium, a barber shop, a hospital, it sounds like here in Wright, a post office, Mm. several restaurants and cafes. Late Sunday evening, about 11.30, you and Jessica are in the first class lounge. You've been there a couple of hours playing cards. Abruptly, Jessica puts the cards down. I'm bored playing Jim Rummy, she folds her arms and pouts. Jessica is bright and generally agreeable, but you realise that she's a little spoiled. That game was getting boring, especially because you keep winning. Let's go on deck and see what's going on up there, you suggest. Same ocean up there? That's back here, she answers, still uh, wearing her pouty look. Then, how about the Marconi room, where the radio transmitter is, you ask? I know one of the men who operates the radio there. Wait until you see it. It's huge! So that does perk her interest. I know Morse code, she says. Did you know that? My father bet I couldn't learn it, but I did. Ah, so Jessica knows Morse code. I mean, I mean that, if ever...
0: There was a rhetorical question. It's a, uh, I know Morse code. Did you know that? Mm. The answer is always no. Mm. It's always no. She's teasing me, mm. and I love it.
1: I think the answer, I know Morse code. Did you know that? Could be dot 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 dash dot 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 dash dot. I, dot. I quite agree. Mm. I quite agree. Well, it says the Marconi room, the Radio Shack is up at the forward on the port or left side of the ship. So you get there and you walk along the deck. You and Jessica shiver in the Arctic air. Overhead, the night sky blazes with stars. Yesterday afternoon, Harold, one of the two radio operators, met you as he was leaving the shack. He invited you in to drop by any time. Without knocking, you open the door and go in. Jessica behind you. The smell of hot electrical insulation hangs in the air. A man is on duty, but it's not Harold. Uh, do you mind if we watch you a minute, you ask? The operator doesn't hear you, or if he does, he's too busy to reply. He's wearing earphones, and he's looking at a stack of papers. A blue spark flashes between the contacts on the uh, radio telegraph key. He's tapping with his index finger. You're entranced by the rhythmic rhythm of the Morse code that is sparking to light. The message sounds important, but you can't understand it. Jessica does though. You watch her concentrate on the pulsing beeps as you both stand nervously just inside the door. So what do you think the message could be? Before we turn the page Probably probably something about non
0: human DNA and cows. What in or mm, yeah. possibly Jessica hmm
1: is a lizard. Okay. So this is this is the thing we were talking about the other day mm. um, uh, that you were saying by um, the, the royal family and all being lizards again. I, oh. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Yes.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I And Jessica, yeah. she
0: says she knows Morse code. She says it. She says it, but she's lying. You know why she's lying. Why would you lie? Because Morse code is something obviously that nobody can prove exists. But the other thing... Mm. Most importantly, mm. is that if you were a lizard, that is exactly what
1: you would say. Well, I know Morse code, do you know that? That's, that's what you would say if you were a mm. lizard. Mm. Right. Probably. Mm. Almost certainly. Mm. Maybe. Suddenly, an incoming signal blares from the earphones so loudly you can hear it across the room. The operator tears the earphones from his head and smacks the stack of paper with his fist. With an exasperated look, he wraps back a message. He spots you and says, Not now, too busy, later, out please. You both nod and duck out the door. A bit rude. A very rude. Very rude. I mean, mm. you know, I hope he comes to a sticky end. Oh, wait. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Jessica grabs your arm. That was weird. Those were private messages he was sending. Maybe to a land station for replying? Messages like, Meet you Wednesday at noon at the Waldorf Astoria. Then the signal came in. He got flustered and told the guy to shut the door and keep out the air. Another ship must be nearby. What was the other ship saying, you ask? I couldn't get the first part. Something about stop, surrounded by ice, Jessica says. Ice icebergs you say maybe we're coming into an ice field i'll go on deck we may be able to spot some ice icebergs i'm cold enough already i'd rather go visit my friend the baker jessica says he's baking mm-hmm. bread right now think of it hot fresh bread i mean i know what i do in this situation yeah yeah i mean bread is delicious let's
0: face it you never buy bread Borath. no no I, I like to make my own the trouble is that I, I, I like to I like to just make a lot of things with the yeast and, and then
1: you know I make my own Marmite I, I really don't think you can call that stuff that you have on toast Marmite but it splits people some people hate it and some people
0: haven't tried it just like Marmite it splits people you know yeah. so it's the same
1: deal can we it's can, the same deal? I mean, I know you've got that plate there. You haven't quite finished that from dinner time. Can we ch- maybe yeah. try a bit of that marmite that you've made with, yeah. with air yeah. uh, quotations? Can we try a bit now live on the podcast? Absolutely, and
0: see absolutely. Okay, so
1: just to help me through the process, it's delicious, it. right? Mm. Well,
0: first, you have to. I mean, take this knife. Take it. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah, I mean, and then you've no. You need to take it with both hands. It's oh. Quite, Yeah, that's quite a big knife. Just put it... Okay.
1: Yeah, and now put it in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Get a decent amount. A decent amount. I mean, I think that's too much I've got on the knife there, no? Oh,
0: no, 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 no. Now, put it... Put it on... I'm going to get you to put it on a taco. Okay. Yeah,
1: okay. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you've always said, don't see it as Marmite, just see it as an experience. Mm. Um... Okay, are you going to have some as well?
0: Yeah, and just remember, excrement is only a handful of letters away from excellent. Okay, after three? Try it.
1: Okay. One, after three. Okay. After three. One, two. two. No, you're already eating. Three. Nom. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's. That's, uh, oh, that's uh, spectacular. Oh. You see, barbite oh, is oh. never. Marmite has never oh. made me do that, Bora. <coughs> oh my god. That yep. is
0: something. Yep. Oh, yep. <sighs> oh, this is my Grand National. What are the bits? What are the bits in it? There's. Uh, compost in there as well. I'll, I'll freely admit that probably the same is true of Marmite. But I tell you, I said it once, I said it again, this is my Grand National. This is beautiful. How There's did something I... about the way it sticks to the back of your teeth. Mm. Something about the way that it, it greets your tongue like a, a like an angry man on a Friday night. He's got nothing to say, but he says it so loudly. And you see, that's the sort of taste I'm going for.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> well, it's memorable. Can you feel the, 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 the top layer of your tongue has been burned away? And, and also your
1: lips. It's really... Quite special. I can feel that my eyes want to sweat. Yeah. Back to the book. Okay. Okay. Oh, come on. Be a good sport. Let's see if we can spot a few icebergs up on deck. Then we'll warm up at the bakers, you say. Jessica reluctantly agrees. I'll go get the binoculars and meet you on the promenade deck, you add. You zip down the stairs to the stateroom you're sharing with Andrew. As you reach the cabin door, you hear a loud voice inside. "Safe is there, I tell you, no one will think of a car's frame. The voice stops short as you knock a couple of times and enter. Andrew is talking to a dark-haired man. They both look sharply at you. I'm uh, sorry, I just wanted to get these binoculars, you say, grabbing the binoculars from the table and leaving. As soon as you're outside, you grimace with disgust. The man is Oscar Kilpatrick, a friend of Andrew's. He got on the Titanic at Queenstown Island on Thursday afternoon. You don't like him. No, 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 no.
0: I don't like anyone whose name is also
1: an order. Oscar
0: Kilpatrick. Mm. Yeah. Now you gotta trust a man like that.
1: Yeah. It's the same of um, Martin McGuinness. It's like you're asking mm. Martin to pass you his Guinness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, if anything, that's a ruder name. But you know, it just lacks basic manners. But I can tell already. I wouldn't like him. You're still angry because he brushed you off when he entered the ship. That and the man's arrogance and patronising manner. You have a little trust for Oscar, and you don't trust Andrew either. You don't understand why your father chose Andrew as a partner. Sure, he's sharp in business, a real smooth operator, but the problem is, he's a little too sharp. You start walking and thinking, what's in the frame of Andrew's car? Safe for what? Andrew's Rolls Royce is in the forward hole number two, way down on G deck near the bow, and you're heading that way. So Boras, here is your first choice. Now you could go and meet Jessica with the binoculars straight away, or you could postpone meeting Jessica and explore Andrew's car. Yeah, I mean, I
0: I don't trust Jessica yet. I mean, I love her, I'm clearly, I'm clearly somebody who, who feels quite intensely. I'm probably thinking a lot about why I find it hard to make friends because I don't like either of the people in this room based on probably very decent reasons. But I, I, I don't trust Jessica either because she's a lizard.
1: But wait, 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 you, you, you just said you're in love with Jessica, you're already in love with her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really? But I mean, I, yeah, I think so. I think she seems beguiling. But in a sort of lizardy way. What are you going to do, Borath? You've got two choices oh, here. Oh, that! meet well, Jessica go with down. the
1: binoculars, or go and look at his car.
0: Well, binoculars are the playthings of perverts. I'm going to go and look at the car.
1: Right, because we want to work, work out what he's hiding in the car in, uh, in oh, the lower yeah. decks.
0: Yeah. I have my suspicions.
1: What do you think is might be in the car? Uh, probably a gorilla. Um, why would there be a Why would there be a gorilla in the car? Well, I mean, why not? And also,
0: Hmm. if you're going to take a gorilla from, say, Marwell Zoo in Hampshire all the way to somewhere in the New World, what's the best way to do it? By freight or by legal means, or just hide him in your car?
1: Oh, I understand. Right. When we were watching Titanic the other night, you kept in that scene where um, Hmm. Kate Winslet and Leonardo were in the car getting busy, Hmm. let's say. You kept saying, Hand against the glass, gorilla hand yeah you kept saying look i told you so it's a gorilla i couldn't Mm. i I thought you were just Mm. drunk rambling well i mean that too But there's truth in it there's always
0: truth in it somewhere
1: okay we're going to see the car
0: let's see what's in the car
1: you descend the steep spiral stairway and reach the car hold five decks below the main entrance inside its hole it's quiet and smells of motor oil light gleams off the black rolls-royce thick ropes uh, are around each axle, anchoring the car safely to the whole deck. You look around. You seem to be alone. You explore the car's frame. It's made of large, pipe-like tubes. On the driver's side, you spot a metal end plate that seals one of the hollow tubes. You find a wrench in the car's toolkit, remove the bolts, and pull the plate off. You strain to look inside. It's too dark. You light a match. The flame reveals a, a foreign object lodged inside. Oh. Yeah, you barely make out two rectangular objects wrapped in a white cloth. The match dies. And you only have two more. You find a wire and manage to hook one bundle and gently tug it out of the frame. It falls onto the deck with a dull thud. Some of the cloth rips away. The next match you light reveals a bar of shiny metal almost a foot long. Gold, you whisper to yourself. It's a gold bar. And how do they fit that in? Next to a gorilla. I, I don't... Well, it has not said anything about a gorilla. Um, I mean, yeah, all that we know is he's got gold in his car. Right. I don't I don't know if there's any gorillas. But, uh, well, I'm maybe not a saying a there isn't. A, a gib, a, well, I don't Possibly know. Possibly a
0: gibbon. Maybe a gorilla's
1: just... Maybe that's what they want us to think. I don't think Jim Wallace knows anything about gorillas. I don't know. Well, no. I mean, anyone who's seen him trying to get chips knows that. Okay. Um, What are gold bars doing in Andrew's car? Then it comes to you, of course, the gold Buddha statues were fakes. These must be the real statues. Andrew is the one who swapped the gold statues with counterfeits and then had the original statues melted down into bars. And now he's smuggling them into the United States. Ah.
0: I knew it. Typical A-bomb.
1: Yeah. That's him all over, man. I mean,
0: I really hope those statues were shit. That's all I'll say. I really hope they were terrible. Absolutely,
1: like the ones you have around your fireplace here. Mm. Yeah. Well, I,
0: I don't know. Terrible is is strong. I mean, they're angular. They mm. don't look an awful lot like Cristiano Ronaldo, but I mean, they are. There's there's various ones that I mean, he's doing unusual things, so it's difficult to get a, a real accurate representation of
1: the man. Mm. And the one of Bruce Grobelaar. Mm. I don't know if it's it's more sort of Bob Ross than Bruce Grobel Yeah, Um,
0: yeah. But I mean,
1: that's what I like about it, because he had a
0: certain approachability. For a goalkeeper, that's probably bad.
1: Mm. The bars are too big and heavy for you to lug away alone. You decide to replace the gold bars and get back up deck where you belong. You pause for a second. Are those footsteps you hear approaching? Your heart beats hard. No one comes. You rewrap the gold bars. You kneel, half under the car, stuff the bars back into the frame, and bolt the plate back on. A deafening noise and a shockwave reverberate through the car hold. The sound is like a huge steel vault door being shut, but it lasts longer. A shuddering vibration lifts the cars up above you. You scream and cover your head with your hands, but the car's body settles back without touching you. Feeling foolish, you roll out from under the car and run up the stairway. Did the Titanic just hit something? The sound came from below. You rush down the stairs to explore. You descend to the bottom of the stairs. Now you're at the bottom of the ship. A sign on the door says, Fireman's Passage, Crew Only. When you open it, you hear a hissing and a gurgling. Water! Or a gorilla? No. A man runs towards you along the passageway from the boiler rooms. Foaming green seawater is rising above the walkway, sloshing through the swirling water. A man shouts, She's taking on water! Clear back! Get back from the boiler room! They said the same thing about my grandmother. What? She's taking on water? Get back? clear back yeah right absolutely right terrible drinker you, you you run up the stairs after him at the car hold door you pause the gold should you save it or should you get back on deck now boras here is another choice you could open the car hold door and try to salvage the gold or you could continue up the stairs to the deck find jessica and see what's happening up there
0: well I mean, I know that piano players, by definition, are cowards. So I think there's almost a no-brainer here. Mm. Listen, I love gold. I love love the idea of seeing what might be in that car. You know, maybe even saving the gorilla. But I think it should be strong enough to look after itself. Mm. So I'm going to go and save my bacon, see my beautiful lizard queen, and I'm going to go and see if I can maybe... Steal those binoculars and use them to stare at people.
1: Did you just refer to Jessica as your bacon?
0: yeah right she is my bacon. I think it's not generally acknowledged enough to be a term of affection my no bacon, my pretty my pretty little bacon my pretty little the... bacon yeah my beautiful bacon mm. my sweet sweet bacon mm. get over here bacon bacon
1: hmm. I'm yeah. going
0: to fry you. Well,
1: that's no, that's yeah, fine, nice. I think. Um, do, do you feel that you're going to go and find her then, rather than get the gold?
0: Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, those binoculars are, are a night out in themselves. They're going to be entertaining, so let's go up and see what she has to say in her own lizardy language.
1: Here we go. You hesitate, your hand on the door. You sense no vibration. The engines must have stopped, you think. Stopped, surrounded by ice? Was the message that the other ship radioed in? Did the Titanic hit an iceberg? You leap up the stairwell and look for Jessica, Two crew members hurry down the stairs. Oh, that ice was as tall as the ship. Oh, lucky we just clipped it. Check the bow compartments and back to the boiler rooms. We may be taking on water, the two boys say. Not lightly, the iceberg just grazed her. Aren't they in for a surprise, you think? She's taking on lots of water. On the well deck, the open area between the Titanic superstructure and the stairwell, you spot Jessica. She and some others are playing soccer with a chunk of ice. Jessica kicks a big chunk of ice to you. She's either a lizard or an idiot. Because
0: if you've just encountered what could be a terminal condition, uh, being hit by ice at sea Mm, uh, on on a heavy metal boat, and your first thought is, well... Let's start a game (laughs) Then
1: You're An idiot Jessica Kicks a big chunk Of ice to you Where have you been Where are the binoculars You were going to get I left the binoculars Down below You say You pull her aside And tell her about the gold In the Rolls Royce frame You don't say Jessica exclaims Gold I'd like to get it back to my father somehow, you say, or at least let him know that Andrew's cheating him. Well, says Jessica, we could go back to the car and get the gold out. I'd like to see those gold bricks. Yeah, but I don't want to draw attention to ourselves, you say. I don't want Andrew or Oscar getting suspicious. Anyway, this iceberg hit seems quite serious. Why are we stopped? The Titanic is motionless. Passengers up on the promenade deck run along arm in arm, are talking and laughing and pointing at the ice in the well deck where you're standing. Two girls are having a snowball fight with chunks of ice. Plumes of steam rise high above the resting ship. The roar of escaping steam sounds ominous, as though the ship were in pain. But
0: not enough pain to stop a snowball fight, eh? I mean, because the ship's screaming. But you've got to get that fight in.
1: And, and a snowball fight snowball fight with ice would really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah these
0: people are sadists. And
1: idiots. I I, yeah. I, I, well, anyway, there's a choice here. What do we do, Borath? So you could return to the car with Jessica to show her the goal. Or you could ask Jessica to explore along the passenger decks with you. Well, one sounds
0: deeply sinister.
1: Come down to the passenger decks with me.
0: So I'm going to go with that one because I think that could be quite fun, and I think sounding sinister has a certain allure, you know, like sort of I've been watching you. It's, it's always it's a great a great way to, to break the ice, and then mm. you know you smell strange, things like that. So little, you know, I think I could I could play my A game down there, going through those passenger decks. You know, are you a lizard? That sort of thing. Really, really win her over. You know, you have a nice face. Mm. Glistens. Mm. You know, why were you playing football, you absolute moron? Mm. That sort of thing. Like sort of, you know, who do you support? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: What are your views on a
1: super league? If it's a good way to break the ice, that's very apt at the moment, isn't it? Because that's what you need mm. to do, break some ice. Well, absolutely. Okay, so are we not going to the car? We're gonna go to the passenger decks.
0: We are. We are gonna go to the passenger decks, I think, this time. I think we're gonna this this
1: this is the way. Jessica, you say. Water's rising down in the car hold. is too risky. Let's see if we can find an officer and get some information. Maybe it's serious. Why else would they stop the ship? You climb up to the starboard promenade deck. Through the windows of the smoking room, you see a group of men laughing and talking. No one's even looking outside. You can't find any officers, so Jessica goes to find her family. You stopped by your cabin. Andrew's in bed. Oh, God. I mean, I don't want to think what I've just walked in. He's
0: in—he's in bed in the middle of a crisis. I mean, he's clearly chewing his own feet.
1: Do you, Do you think he's actually enjoying the fact that the ship might be sinking? I don't understand. Oh this man. yeah, I
0: mean, he's that kind of pervert, isn't he, A-bomb? He's just—he's just, just going to be sitting there pleasuring himself while everything oh, goes to hell. Oh just,
1: no! You know, like the worst kind of people.
0: Oh God! Mike Morris dances.
1: Andrew you better get up, you say, jostling him awake. Oh, he's asleep. Oh, okay, that's infinitely preferable. It doesn't look good, Andrew. There's a lot of water coming in. Huh, an iceberg? I didn't feel a thing. And I'm a light sleeper, he says, sitting up on the edge of his bed. Don't worry, this ship is supposed to be unsinkable. We'd better get ready just in case, you say. Maybe we should check it with our steward if you can find him, and I'll try and find out as much as I can. High up on the top deck, The boat deck is the bridge, the Titanic's command post, it's also where the lifeboat sits. You peer into a half-open window of an enclosed part of the bridge. Captain Smith and another man are examining the blueprint. Well, sir, I give it about an hour, an hour and a half at most, says the man, who looks familiar to you. I'll order the lifeboats readily, says Captain Smith. Lifeboat capacity is about 1,000. There are more than 2,000 people aboard, the man says. Women and children first, says the captain. You walk down several decks towards Jessica's cabin. You know it's true, the Titanic is sinking. What can you do if there aren't enough lifeboats? You recall suddenly who the man the Captain Smith was with. He's the ship's engineer. He showed you around the ship's workshop. You saw carpentry supplies, planks, ropes and barrels. With help, you could build a decent raft in about an hour. Outside outside Jessica's cabin You feel a flutter of panic She's not there Maybe there's not enough time to build a raft And you should just concentrate on finding your friend Ah, oh, the gorilla No, no, the Gorilla. I think it means Jessica the, the, the lizard woman Oh yes, fair enough, they always win Here is a choice, what are you going to do? You could head to the workshop and start building a raft, or you could look for Jessica in the Marconi room up on deck. I've built some strange things in my time. Yeah, I think
0: I'd be quite good at this, really. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a raft. There's no question. Jessica's fine. She's a lizard. But y- she'll y- be just fine. You were in love with her like earlier. Yeah, you- yeah. I mean, I am in love with her, but I I believe she'll be just fine you know i do think that you know she could move on
1: okay so so your building skills are enough you think to build a decent raft yeah right yeah okay. i
0: think so fundamentally
1: okay why do you
0: remember I built that boat in the back garden Yeah. Uh, out, of, out of wafers?
1: Y- yeah, I mean, it, 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 I must admit, though, it, it, was, it looked nice, but it was more mm. aesthetically pleasing than actually practical. Well, had those scallies not come and broken
0: it up and tried to eat it, then I, I would have almost certainly been able to take it to sea in a, in,
1: in a week or two. I think the crows were pecking at it the last time I looked. Uh, Last Uh, week, yeah. Bastards Bastards of the Sky. Mm. Okay, well, look, we're going to try and build a raft. Is that the way we're going? Yeah, let's do it. On your way to the workshop, you decide to stop at the baker's. You might be able to get some fresh bread for the raft. Uh, See? They're making... I mean, the bread must be very
0: good. I'll be honest, it's... Women and children first. No, it's bread. Women and children first. first. That's, and that's fair enough. If we're talking brioche, I'm not in.
1: Anything else? Absolutely. You descend the first class staircase, go through a door and down more stairs to the vast kitchens on D-deck. The smell of fresh bread starts your mouth watering. There aren't enough lifeboats. I'm going to build a raft. Can you, sp- can you spare some bread? You ask a burly man, putting a batch of bread into the oven. A raft? Sounds like a bit far-fetched to me, says the baker. We're taking this bread up to stock up the boats, but I can give you a loaf. Good luck. As you start to leave with a loaf tucked under your arm, a voice calls out from behind. Hey, mate, this raft sounds like a good idea to me. You turn and see one of the bakers walking towards you. Mind if I join you? My name's McCracken, he says, and you shake his flowery hand that he extends to you. I mean...
0: McCracken. Mm. There's a clue in the name there, isn't there? Release the McCracken. I think he's he's clearly... I mean, but then again, he might be good at sea. And he might know how to get a gorilla up from the lower decks. And frankly, if we can get the gorilla on board, then we are going to have that raft in double quick time.
1: Mm, I, I think they might be heavy on a raft, if anything, a gorilla. Anyway, they yeah, don't... well, I mean, he doesn't have to come with us. He just do the building. Okay. But I'm a loving man, but I'm a realist. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I could h- use your help, uh, Mr. McCracken, you say. Come on. On your way to the stateroom, you hear a voice boom. Women and children in the boats first, please. It sounds like it's coming through a megaphone. Mm. Hey, where have you been? Scrounging for bread at this time? You don't mind if I have a piece, do you, says Jessica. She and Andrew are standing just outside the stateroom door. Oh. You introduce them to McCracken and outline your plan. Andrew, up and dressed now, says, I've checked with one of the ship's officers. You're right. It's women and children first. There aren't enough lifeboats. I'm for the raft. I don't think the Titanic will sink, but just in case. No one can live long in the North Atlantic. That's a freezing cold water and certain death. So it looks like everyone's up for your plan. I'm still
0: digesting the fact that Andrew was naked the last time that I spoke to him. <laughs> it sounds Stuck like... It- naked. Stood there swinging at me. Yeah. Just how... In, in, so he was naked uh, in his bed asleep
1: Apparently. while everyone else was screaming. Apparently I'm asleep. pervert. Yeah. Absolute monster. <laughs> A horrible image. It takes you, Jessica, Andrew and McCracken about half an hour to haul a pile of planks, hammers, nails and barrels for flotation up to the deck. It's the best place to build the raft, obviously. Oh, she's listing to Portside now, says Jessica. She nails a large uh, plank side by side for cross timbers. Well, what we have to figure out is how to get this monster over the side of the ship without smashing it into pieces. What are we gonna do? McCracken, Andrew and you lift the empty wooden barrels under the platform and lash them with rope to the underside of the raft. "'Nothing says we can't use the cargo crane up there,' says McCracken. "'It's the latest thing, run by electricity.' He points to the one of the cranes nearest the raft. "'Can you run it?' you ask. Oh, my mate is one who runs it. I've watched him, says McCracken. You wonder about the wisdom of getting the raft into the water by using the crane. It's risky. Running the crane may draw too much attention to your project and someone could interfere. You could just wait until the Titanic sinks and then let the raft just float out to sea. But if the ship could take such an angle as it sinks, the raft might get dragged underneath with the ship. Now, Boras, what are you gonna do? Well, I think the,
0: the risk that you have of being noticed is, is offset considerably by the fact that everybody on this boat appears to be uh, persuaded by bread. So I think if you can offer them some of your delicious bread, mm-hmm. then you've got a chance of getting out. And what mm. we could maybe, uh, you know, we, we presumably I would be looking over at the sea, at the, at the, at the swirling sea. Yeah. What I could see, and I maybe just make out a small gorilla hand,
1: just just floating out. Yeah. I'm imagining sort of a thumbs up like Terminator 2 going into Yeah, the, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Maybe uh, just flipping the bird as it goes down and just yeah. that's yeah.
1: it. Right, are we going for uh letting it float out naturally as the ship sinks or getting the crane involved? Oh, I'm all about the crane. Yeah, high risk it. High risk it. Let's do the crane. Let's hoist it with a crane, you say. McCracken releases the storage tie-downs. Jessica rigs some lines from each corner of the raft to meet over the centre. McCracken swings the cargo crane over the raft. You all hear the whirl of the gears. The electric motor is quiet. He lowers the crane's boom and poises it over the raft. Jessica grabs the hook and loops the lines over it. Take it up, you yell And you jump onto the raft You steady yourself by grabbing the lines That join in a pyramid above your head You're afraid oh, Very specific, very specific, I like that mm. I now know which
0: bit to hold on to If I'm ever lifted Above a sinking boat I know, go for the flippin' triangle Triangle above your head, yeah Triangle above my head
1: I mean, don't, Jim Don't Jim dangle loves your legs bit- off the edge Jim loves a bit Nut of description. Moron, oh my he God. does, doesn't he? Too much. <sighs> You're afraid the whole thing will tip and dump you, but McCracken is smooth and meticulous, and the raft lifts, levels, and gently descends clear over the Titanic side. Hold it, perfect! You shout up to McCracken. Slide down the lines. The Titanic sinking fast. Jessica, see if you can find your father. We have to unhook the raft soon. You call, and she takes off. Along with McCracken, a crowd of people appear along the rail, some holding children. Come on, you motion to them. Jessica slides down with her father and says, Andrew's brought a friend. On the rail... That's a gorilla. No, Oscar... A baby Kil- gorilla. Oscar Kilpatrick. Oh, God, him. Yeah, he's motioning to you. He and Andrew are holding a fat leather satchel, which they drop down to you. Okay, okay. I see you, you call. Let's get out of here. You realize in horror that you have nothing to paddle with. Everyone frantically paddles with their hands and feet, but the raft stays glued to the side of the ship. Something bounces off the raft. Startled, you look up, towering 150 feet straight above you, and tipping over the raft is the Titanic's stern. It's vertical, pointing straight up into the sky. Everyone looks up. Oh, she's going to crush us. Help my daughter. Jump. Somebody dives in the water. Boras, what are you going to do? Here are your choices. You could jump too. You could jump in the water, or you could stay on the raft.
0: I, I like this raft, and I'm not willing to jump in the water because my bread will get wet. So, <laughs> very true. It's, it's simple, if the bread's that good. I mean, yeah, seems like a fool's errand now, but in two hours' time, when I'm eating my sandwich, my bread sandwich, mm. ah, who's laughing then? It's not going to be those frozen women and children in the water. Nope, it's going to be me. Mm. and my lizard
1: bride. Mm. So, straightforward. We're going to stay on the raft.
0: Oh, yeah. But I would tell Kraken to to, McCracken to let it go, so I could at least say, release, Kraken. Mm.
1: It's all I want. <laughs> Here we go. Staying with the raft. You stay calm fascinated by the spectacle of the great ship's stern blocking the stars. Let's paddle. All together. Go, you say. The raft moves a few feet from the ship's vertical side. The Titanic is sinking so slowly and evenly that the only mark of motion is a ring of white foam around the boat. Clusters of people cling to the ship, then drop off into the sea, screaming. Only a few make it onto the raft. Shortly after dawn, a ship picks you up. Andrew and his friend gave you a cheque for $5,000 later that day. And you use it to buy the grand piano of your dreams.
0: The End I think we've learned everything here, that everyone else can die, but my little webbed hands are getting me a new piano. I'm, I'm happy with this, and I presumably am playing little ditties to my lizard queen. What would the piano of your dreams be, Borath? I think one almost certainly made of marshmallow. Oh, really? Mmm, mm. delicious. Absolutely delicious. Sounds atrocious, but by the time people realise that, they've bought their ticket.
1: What, you'd actually charge people to oh, go and listen yeah. to you? A lot of interest. A
0: lot of interest. I think, especially if you get up London way. That's it. Right. That's it. See the man with the piano made of marshmallow. I can. It would. It would be beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It, See yeah. the dancing lizard woman next to him,
1: oh, and oh. taste the
0: world's most delicious bread.
1: So, so think, M- McCracken and uh, Jessica are gonna. You, you're gonna start like a three piece together.
0: I think so. I think so. I mean, and ultimately, we would. We would probably repopulate the earth with lizard DNA, and that's what. I, what. What more
1: could you ask for? Mm. Bread, maybe. Well, Borath, we did it. That was the end of the book and the end of the series, and hopefully the end of my time here. Um, well, I mean, you could stay for a sandwich, maybe. I, mean, I, I, I could, I could, I could, I could maybe.
0: You know, you're welcome to stay for just well, if you want, maybe, maybe just you know another couple of weeks or something. I, like that. I, I, I mean, I, you don't have to. Why, I
1: mean, just... why again are you locking the door as as we say just this? Don't, don't get weird about it. It's just I'm listen. Not... It's cold out. It's cold out. What, have why why marmite? Just what? Have marmite? Think, why are you putting those around my ankles? Stop it. Just Stop sit it. Down. Stop just sit it! down. I don't want to eat any more of that marmite. Put it down. Put it down. It's just not try it. marmite. Just try it. I don't want try to try it. it. Stop it. Put it in. <gasps> put
0: it in. Mm. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Oh, this is my grand national. This first series of Voyage of the Page-Turner featured the books by authors R. Ray Montgomery, Shannon Gilligan, and Jim Wallace. The Page-Turner will return and will be just as awesome. Until then, keep an eye on our social media for news clips and links to the show. As always, it's at Page-Turner Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Otherwise, just get on with your pathetic lives and remember, choose wisely.